This podcast replay is brought to you by RedRecover.com. From NFL stars like Hayden Hurst to daily warriors like yourself, their wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. And welcome back to RedRecover.com inside the paint, our weekly 9 a.m. Eastern show. Uh, we talk about the Miami Heat and go around the league. I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He's Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com. If you missed our first segment, we spoke about the Kevin Love impact, the Cody Zeller impact, the NBA buyout market. You can find that anywhere. You can find the Big O Show podcast. Want to continue just a little bit. Buyout market, Kurt Heelan. We know Danny Green went to the Cavaliers. We know there have been some other subtle moves. Terrence Ross to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, RJ Hampton yeah. yesterday, more of a developmental move, went to the Detroit Pistons. Do you see the buyout market in any way altering the NBA landscape? In other words, were there any moves that you saw and you said, ah, now that the Clippers have Bones Highland, it's a different world. Now that the Nuggets have yeah. Reggie Jackson, things are different. Uh, Danny Green, we haven't seen seemingly in two years going to the Cavs. Do you think anywhere where you were doing your power rankings at Pro Basketball Talk, you said, ah, because they got this guy, this moves this team up? I, I think the only two moves that I thought were positives were Kevin Love to the Heat, which I think, like, again, we've talked fits a need, just – he fits a spot in the roster that a kind of a hole. Um, I do think with Lonzo Ball out for the season in Chicago, bringing in Patrick Beverly, bringing him home to Chicago where he'll talk even more, I guess. <laughs> but I think that they're, I mean, they're going with Io, um, up, you know, a good defensive point guard up top, giving a lot of minutes to Cody Zeller. You can throw Patrick Beverly in that mix and and get a little more veteran professionalism. So maybe they can actually make the postseason. I mean, they're, I think the 11 seed now, that's a, a yeah, struggling they're, team. They're sort of, that, that might be our NBA sort of lost in the sauce team this season. I mean, they were waiting yeah. for Lonzo Ball, waiting for Lonzo Ball. I know Heat fans were interested here because when they made the Patrick Beverly edition, there was some thought that Goran Dragic would shake free. And honestly, yeah. like I described, if you missed it, you can catch it on our podcast. If they would have used that extra roster spot, that might have been the perfect place for it. So I thought that sort of created an interest level there. I don't really see anything particular around the league. I think Danny Green shooting will help the Cavaliers. Yeah. Maybe in spot moments as a playoff savvy player who's living in the moment. So I could see that to a degree also. Otherwise, it, again, it is what it is. There's a reason these players are bought out. There's a yes. reason their team no, thought that they couldn't add something to it. So they move on. The Russell Westbrook is an outlier. That you simply do not have a $40 million plus player shake free like that at this time of the season. You have to be really bad to get a buyout with that type of salary, which tells you you're more of what used to be a name than who's a player right now. And it really is interesting because a lot of these teams that got rid of these guys are now adding 10-day contracts, two-way contracts. They're realizing they would rather have a young player for the future yeah. rather than this salary that's sort of sitting there as salary cap ballast along the way. want to go to one other name, and again – Sometimes people can confuse the buyout market with the 10-day market because they do overlap and interlink. But we know there was an unusual situation here because of the anti-Semitic comment made while he was on a video oh. stream, and he has absolutely been atoning, the perfect word in this situation, for two years since. The Milwaukee Bucks and Myers Leonard, do you see this more as just stopgap because Giannis is out? He announced at the All-Star game he's going to deal with that wrist injury because Bobby Portis is still out. What was your thought, one, when you saw, hey, that used to be Myers-Leonard, number one. What was your, what's your thought as far as the Bucks going for the 10-day here? 
knowing the degree of heat they will take also bringing a player back in that situation. The Miami Heat play in Milwaukee ESPN national game on Friday. When you saw Myers Leonard was back, what was your thought, Kurt Heelan? Yeah, I thought it was a stopgap. I think it was just that it's with with Brooke Lopez taking up most of the minutes. They do miss Bobby Portis. And so, yeah, Giannis can play some five. But like you said, he's out. So now you bring in for these 10 days for people. You get in for 10 calendar days. And that's what three games, give or take, usually. Yeah, um, a, so the league rule is a minimum of three. So if your team, because of All-Star break or whatever, doesn't oh, okay. play three in 10-day span, they let you have a 10-day contract for 11 or 12 days, but you have to get at least three days. That's what happened uh, with Damari Bouye with the Heat. It was over the All-Star break, but he got a chance yeah. to play in three games. So you don't waive a player. Your 10-day simply expires, and you just go into the ether. Yeah. Um, and you can extend him for a second 10-day before you have to sign him or cut him. Or not cut yes. him, but... Let him go. So I think that that's that with the box, man. Hey, we can get 20 days of Myers Leonard. And if we, Hey, if it works out, we can sign it for the rest of the year. But I think it's, I think it's just a short, I think it's just a stop gap and it's somebody they thought could step in and play a very limited role for them. Yeah. I think it's really good for Myers for this reason. It's hard to be the first team to bring a quote unquote controversial player back. But once you get to break the ice, I think it'll be easier yeah. for the next team, whether it's summer league, whether it's in the offseason, in free agency. So I think it's a nice spot for Myers. Show what you could do or can't. Everyone will do the Myers-Lennon story. I'm so sorry. I said the wrong thing. I misspoke. I didn't understand the word. Let that all get out there in the ether for the 10 days. And then when he goes to his next team with a more bona fide role, he's still relatively young at 30, that he can move forward. So I think this is very helpful to yeah. Myers. Could be helpful to the Bucs, not that they need much help, and then he can sort of move on there. You will see some more of these. There are the 10-day options. The Heat, honestly, if a player doesn't work out, they can cycle through 10-day guys also. 10-day contracts mean this. As Kurt mentioned, you can sign up to two 10-day contracts with the same team. They don't have to be consecutive. It's not unusual for a team to sign a player to a 10-day, have a two-day break, let the player sort of work out with them for two days, sign them back for another 10-day. After two 10 days with the team, you must either be signed for the rest of the season or be released. You can have unlimited 10 days with as many teams as you want through the season. And this is sort of where it humbles all of us. A 10-day contract pays about $100,000 in actual cash. Counts less against the cap because of the way the cap works for veteran salaries. So it's not, it, you know, for, the, for a Myers-Leonard who's made millions in his career, not as big a deal. But when you see the guy come up from the G League, like Jamari Bouye, Jamari yeah. Bouye, in his 10-day contract with the Heat, made more money than an entire single-season salary in the G League. So it is meaningful to a certain level of guys. I know our first segment went long, so we're going to go long on this one also because I wanted to touch next here and have this open on a browser on my computer. Kurt Inland, I want to talk to you about the Eastern Conference playoff race. And I want to talk to you about maximum upside and downside for the Heat. So right now, the Heat reside with a record of 32-27 and 27 at the All-Star break. They're 10 games out of first place. Based on 23 games remaining, I sort of – I could say they're going to count the 10 games ahead, the Bucks who are nine and a half ahead, or even the Philadelphia 76ers, who are seven games ahead, although it is interesting. The Heat had still have four head-to-head -head meetings with the 76ers. But I did a story at the Sun Sentinel looking at all the three teams above the Heat 
and the three teams below the Heat. And Kurt Heelan, I want to get your thoughts on this. I'll mention the tiebreakers as we go through this exercise. Basically, what I want to know from you, Kurt Heelan, is this. Do you think these teams are catchable, either because the Heat will be good enough to catch or because these teams have sort of level, le- reached their level and might come down a little? So, again, it's a lot to make up in 23 games. The Heat do have a game remaining, two games remaining against them. Cleveland Cavaliers are number four right now in the NBA at 38 and 20. I think he says 23. And 38 and 23. Do you see the Heat possibly making up five games on the Cavaliers, or do you more see the Cavaliers hitting their stride and maybe challenging the 76ers? They're two games behind for third place in the East. More of the latter. I just I think that they're that's a lot of ground to make up with 20 with 23 games, whatever, whatever the number is the rest of the way. Five games is a lot to make up. Um, for a team, but they're good and they're actually playing well again after kind of a, a rough stretch. Uh, they've got Danny Green. No, uh, they've got, <laughs> um, but they're, they're, I just think that for a team that's kind of settled and is going to win a fair chunk of games the rest of the way. Uh, um, and by the way, Philly's catchable. Philly's got a, like the toughest schedule left in the NBA. They right. have a brutally tough schedule the rest of the way. Like, <clears throat> I think Cleveland's, I think that's the target. And I just don't think, even if Miami's playing well, I just don't, that's a lot of ground to make up. They, they, you've got to get some help, and I'm not sure they're going to get enough. So if Cleveland can catch Philadelphia, that would put Cleveland at number three. The Heat are probably looking at number six. We'll get to that. Let me ask you this. Is Cleveland a team you would fear in the first round or a team, all things being equal, of the other options you might figure you have a puncher's chance or better against in the first round? I think of the big, of the top four, of you know, I think Philly – for all its potential playoff flaws and Milwaukee and Boston are going to probably advance the second round. Like those are just really top flight teams. And frankly, I think all three of them are better than anybody in the West. Um, Cleveland is the one I'd want just because as talented as they are, I just think they haven't, a lot of their guys just haven't been through the playoffs yet, right? Yeah. Like Gar- Garland and Mobley really haven't had a good playoff. No, they were just a, they were just a play-in team last season, so they yeah, didn't get so. the whole what's it like to have to win four games in the seven-game series so, exactly. bounce between cities. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Here's the curiosity point I have, and and, and I didn't have a chance to talk to you because we did the show uh, a day earlier last week because I was traveling in Brooklyn. The Nets are number five in the East, are two and a half games up on the Heat, and the Heat totally effed up last week's game from this perspective it's a three-game season series the nets now have won the first two games (coughs) excuse me so the nets right now have won the season series already no tiebreaker there it's an odd number of games no heat winning a division moving ahead of them the heat really blew that but the nets who built their 34 and 24 record were mostly a different team i like mikhail bridges the heat saw he's a 40-point player i like cameron johnson you know we can hit threes. They, they have a very nice roster of scorers. Uh, Claxton, obviously more of a complimentary player to what they had before than, than what they have now. Looking at the Nets at 34 and 24 and where they stand right now with their 24 games remaining in the season, they're at number five right now. Where do you see them trending, Kurt Heelan? I, I think that they're catchable which is why I, that loss last Wednesday was a punch to the gut. That was, yes. uh, you, you really did kind of, I don't know if you needed that one, but, it, but you just made your life a whole lot harder yes. than it, than it had to be. Um, <coughs> but I don't think that they're going to fall off a cliff. And I think that that's the problem for the Nets and uh, the Clinton, the Knicks and the heat who are the 
teams trying to get past them and into the top six is they're not going to, they're not, they didn't like just go get nobodies. Like you said, right. I mean, they, they got Spencer Dinwiddie there now. They've got like some guys who can play a little Dorian Finney Smith. They have guys yeah. who are competent. They have guys yeah. who are at least 500 team level. It's not like they went down and did the tear down because they don't have their own picks. They right. traded them in the hardened trade. So it's of no benefit for them to tank for Wembanyama because they're not going to get him anyway. They just extended their coach in very much of a win now mode in Jock Vaughn. So let me ask you this. Let's be honest, Kurt Heelan. The Nets are five now. If you had to pick a number and say, I'm putting the Nets, and you did one of those sort of movable ESPN boards, what's the lowest sinking point you see for the Nets? Seven. But I'm not I, I'm not sure they get there, but I think the lowest they go is seven. I don't think they fall below that. I think the Knicks and, and Heat could pass them. The Knicks right now are half a game up on the Heat. The Heat have ample opportunity with three games left against the Knicks to change that thought. The Heat are down 1-0 in the season series, so obviously they're playing from behind there. Knicks trending up. All-star Julius Randle. Jalen Brunson's been fantastic. Knicks limited by who they are, and Tom Thibodeau wearing them down. Knicks holding ground at six, moving up to five, moving down to seven. What do you see there? I got a feeling that they are, I just look as well as they think they're playing. And I think they're going to play well out of this all-star break. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is a team where as this goes the rest of the way, Tibbs is just going to lean heavily on the the handful of guys he trusts. Um, A lot of Brunson minutes, a lot of Julius Randle minutes. So these days off are probably good for them. They probably get a little bump for these next few weeks. Those I think are the three, if you're the heat though, don't you just circle? Like those are the games you have got to get got to win. Yes. And at least go at least go two and two against the Knicks. If you're yeah. a division winner like the Heat should be over Atlanta, the Knicks obviously will not be a division winner in the same team in the same uh a division as Boston and Philadelphia. You will get that tiebreaker. So I agree. Downside. The Heat right now are three games ahead of the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks just changed coaches. We'll be playing under an interim coach after getting rid of Nate McMillan. Uh, that series, I believe, is tied 1-1. It's for the division championship, yay, which actually matters in a tiebreaker. So yeah. we can't completely discount that, although you also can win a division and not even make the playoffs, so I won't overstate it. Can the Hawks make up those three games? Can the, Haw- the Hawks push the Heat down, maybe push the Knicks down? I don't, I don't think so. I think that their issues are <laughs> – it's going to be interesting to watch this coaching search because I think their issues are structural. I think their issues are above the GM problem. Let's put it that way. Okay. I think they've got some really hands-on owners who are making some interesting decisions. It's, I'll just put it this way. I'm really curious to watch Quinn Snyder and yes. Kenny Atkinson, two names that come up real quick in this. And I've been, I've got a story coming up in a little bit on NBC about who could replace them. Those are guys with options. Right. I mean, Quinn not only has a lot of guys, teams who like him, Remember, Kenny Atkinson was going to be the Hornets coach. Took the Hornets and, job and then realized and then, that right, he was going for lottery. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and backed out and said, nope, this isn't what – and by the way, I had talked to him during the finals last year, and he he hinted that that wasn't out of the question because he's, he really likes being on Steve Kerr's staff, living – his kids love the Bay Area. Like, he he had a life he liked. So he's right. like, they've got, to, they've got to woo me. Um, he backed up. I think it's the same type of situation where he there's going to be some coaches with options. Now, if you're 
one of these guys trying to get your first NBA job, you got to take the job. <laughs> you know, you can't be turning down jobs, man. Kurt, but you think if you're a guy with options. Do you think there's any chance the Hawks move to a permanent coach during in season? In other words, I would think a guy like Quinn Snyder would want a blank slate. Okay, let's sit down, yeah, see what we I, have. I think Kenny Atkinson would also. Do you see? Do you figure they'll just play this out, or do you think there's a chance someone might step in and give them that new coach boost during the season? The only guy that could get midseason, the only guy I think who would leave that situation because there's they're looking at uh, with the guy with the Kings and the Spurs and even the Spurs, who as bad as they are, I don't think anybody's leaving midseason. I don't think Quinn, like you said, I don't think Quinn Snyder's, hey, I'm going to take over for the last 10 games is not happening. That's just not how, especially the system he runs and how he wants to coach. He's got to install a lot yeah. of stuff. Um, so I don't, I'm with you. I think that they're just a Joe Perry is a solid, by the way, guy who's been around the block is a solid coach, but I don't think he's the guy who solves their problems. Maybe, maybe, maybe Frank Vogel's me and surprises me, but okay. I, Good name. but, but, I don't think uh, I don't think they make a move. By the way, I'd, I'd probably call Frank if I were them. I, but I don't think they make a move um, in the season. I think they get to the off season. They call those guys. And by the way, call a couple of guys who are good at player relationships because that's going to be a lot of this, man. Somebody's okay. And I got a, I got a name yeah. for you. I, I'm going to help write a Kurt Heelan story now. I don't need credit. Don't want to get you in trouble. What about Nick Nurse? We've heard that Ooh. he might part with Toronto. Yeah. That sort of something different. He is recognized as a fantastic coach, as a player's coach, yeah. as unique. He's uh, he's won an NBA championship. What about one of those, hey, I'm just going to try something different. I'm not going to let you Masai fire me because I'm going to move on. What about something like that? Yeah, if you don't think – if he doesn't think he's stable there, I think he'd consider it. But, again, it, I'm not sure that this is a job a lot of guys around the league are jumping at just because of you – know, a hands-on owner that has got very high expectations. Right. We'll see. I think the, the, the name I'm throwing out there in a little bit that I think is interesting. If I'm Sam Cassell and I'm a player coach, this might right. be, this might be the spot I like. He's got to land somewhere someday. And this, I could see him relating to Trey Young. Like that's an interesting one. Right. But anyway, I don't, all that is to say, I don't think they're catching the heat. I don't think they're catching anybody. I think they're, and, okay, and then I think they're a 500 team the rest of the way. And so I want to go to the other teams just within the heat range, three and a half behind the heat of the Washington wizards. They expected yeah. a much better season. Bradley Beal back the Porzingis deal. He was going to be the guy. It has been largely uneven for them. Do you see the wizards in any way trending up over their final 24 games of the season? Now they're streaky. I know they've had a couple of hot streaks, but I can't see them sustaining anything. They're not they're not that good. And then team four games beyond the heat, which is a bunch to make up. But again, they've already they're tied in the season series. There's one game remaining of that Toronto Raptors. They're at number 10. That's the last play in spot right now. They're two games ahead of the Flandering Bulls. Toronto Raptors, do you think they might have an upside? Yeah, only because I think that the Jakob Pertle thing was a nice pickup at the trade deadline that gives them this. They've had no rim protection, nothing in the middle. And now they've got a guy that they know who Pascal Siakam was talking about this over the weekend. Like, hey, we can just plug and play him. Like, he's been here. He knows right. the system. He knows what we want to do. So I think that that's the team to watch. I think that there's upside is for all their, all the weirdness with them this season and their, their incredibly poor shooting, which is just strange considering their roster. Um, like that's a team that if, if everything was going to click somewhere, so that might be the one. But I don't – that's four games is a lot to make up unless the Heat t fall apart. Right, but or the head-to-head head games become critical. Anyway, I want to sort of give people a perspective there. I think the Heat can move to five if they are who they think they yeah. are. 
which is why after we come back on this break on redrecover.com inside the paint, we're going to go through the Heat roster. Expectations over the final stretch of the season for several players. We'll look at their upcoming schedule. We'll sort of set when the league actually plays games again. So all that and more after this break on redrecover.com inside the paint. <laughs> 